Meeting Tom Cruise is a production of the Dan Patrick Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. And my mom calls me on my dorm room phone and she's like, Vanessa, wake up, wake up. And I'm just like, you know, the message is going off and I'm, I answer the phone. I'm like, oh, you know, half asleep. And she said, you got the Kubrick movie. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise is the greatest movie star of all time. He's the first actor to have six consecutive hundred million dollar grossing films. He's shrouded in mystery and yet to many is one of the nicest and hardest working people. We love Tom Cruise. We are inspired by Tom Cruise. And while we work in Hollywood, we've never actually met Tom Cruise. So we're going to talk to some people who have. We'll hear some great stories and maybe just maybe one of them one day will lead us to the man himself so that we can have stories of our own. Our own stories of meeting Tom Cruise. Guys, hold on a second. Let me just check my calendar here of what I did in the last 48 hours. Uh, Got hammered at a patient's Christmas party. Saved an overdose Mm -hmm. hooker's life. Imagined my wife banging a sailor. Bumped into an old friend who may or may not be dead. Almost got AIDS. Rented a costume from a Ukrainian mobster. Saw naked women receive bukkake at a huge mansion in New Jersey. Listened to my wife's bad dream. Took my kid to FAO Schwartz. Wow, what a weekend on the fake streets of New York City. Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Jeff Meacham and welcome to a very special Eyes Wide Shut edition of Meeting Tom Cruise, the podcast. Here with me is a man who looks spectacular butt naked, wears nothing but high heels. He's stay-at-home hottie, Joel Johnstone. Hey Joel, what's your home security password? And by the way, there's only one right answer. Fidelio. That is correct. Also with us is the man who puts the liquid U in Kubrick. He yells at his children for partying with strange men in the middle of the night. He's our oversexual concierge. She's Alec Lev. Alec, for the first time, I'm going to ask you, how pumped are you for this episode? I am all the pumped. Wow. Jeff, I think, do we have an HR department? Uh, How come? You know, but don't answer because I know the answer is no. I think we're going to have to get one after this because I'm pretty sure we'd be getting some phone calls right now after that intro if we had a phone to call. I don't know. I mean, it's all just facts from the movie. It's just facts from this (laughs) lovely film we're about to talk about. So let's get started, boys. All right. Well, I'm terrified because uh, we're going to do our second official deep dive here. Listen, there's no there's no question. Well, there is a question of the week, but there's no uh, I was thinking about because all I've been thinking about for this last week is eyes wide shut. Um, Listen, I don't approve of this being our second film. I saw that movie. That was all I thought about for a year. Oh, well, there you go. See, I don't approve of this being the second film that we have our deep dive on. We go from Top Gun. Naturally, we should have gone to Jerry Maguire, but you two disagree. You both have a giant uh, just orgy hard on for this film. And I want to know. Jeff, I'm going to break your heart because I've never told you this. Oh, boy. As a friend. Oh, boy. In person. But I'm going to do it now that we're live. Here we go. Do it. Go ahead. Jerry Maguire is not in my top five. Oh. Wow. Oh, man. Our friendship just took a turn. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Our friendship oh. just took a turn. I don't even understand how that's humanly possible, but you know what? That's okay. 
because I want to do. I like it very much. It's not in my top five. Listen, let's get let's just get this out of the way down the road. And I know Alec feels the same way. Uh, he thinks it's a bag of trash, which is just mind boggling. So uh, we're going to do a few good men versus Jerry Maguire down the road. But right now we are going to talk about Eyes Wide Shut. Sure. I think we're going to get this done quickly. But like the movie itself, they were guaranteed six months and it ended up taking two years. So let's get this started. Guinness Book of World Records for 100 consecutive days of shooting. 400, I think it's days of shooting, not consecutive. Is it consecutive? Well, no, uh, yeah, I mean, you don't shoot Saturdays or Sundays, but yes, yes. It like wasn't right. Orson Welles. It wasn't seven years, or two years over the course of seven years. It was two straight years. Yep. My boys Joel and Alec have a lot of facts about this film. I don't give a shit about it, but Alec, hit us with the question of the week. Well, the question of the week is just eyes wide shut. What's up with that? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, way to think that one through. <laughs> this is going to be our best one ever. We get cerebral on this show, folks. We get real cerebral. What's up with that? Film came out in 1999. It was the last film directed by Stanley Kubrick. Um, Kubrick. Uh, Kubrick. Don't worry about the yeah. liquid you on. Is it. there a liquid you in it, or is it there just is. Kubrick? We've done this. It's just We've Kubrick. done this. We've done. I'm sorry. Uh, they started filming in 1996. It was not released until 1999. It starred Hollywood's most famous cu- uh, couple, Cruz and Kidman. It's the story of. One man's jealousy after his wife gets high and just tells him a story about how she wanted to get banged by a sailor and he loses his mind and then a bunch of people die or don't die. We don't know because the film makes no sense. So um, (laughs) why don't we just get started with Alec? Why don't you just get us started with something? What do you want to talk about this film that means a lot to you? Um, Sure. I guess my the way I would start is this. There are films that you love that you really want other people to see, right? This is not one that I would sit people down and say, you must watch Eyes Wide Shut. Mom, right. like the, like, I got one for you. Exactly. <laughs> like I, Michael Bay's The Rock. We all want people to watch that, but not. That's this not is not one of those. Sure. Um, and I think the reason is that you do need to decide you're going to watch this movie in a different way. That actually, like our guest Vanessa Shaw is going to say, you need to experience it more than you're watching. I think that's a Kubrickian thing. That is the same for 2001, for Barry Lyndon. You're sitting there to um, sit inside the movie, to just be there experiencing and watching it, not to get story point by story point by story point and get to the end. Okay, you're there to feel it. So it's a different way of looking. The way looking at a great painting, you would do that differently than you would look at a Garfield cartoon. There's just Even though it's vaguely the same art form, I think there's a different way of watching it, and it's not for everyone to to love or to 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 want to sit through. Okay, Joel, Joel, opening statement. You got an opening statement? I I didn't love this movie the first time I saw it. I more than love it now. I I I cannot stop watching it. Um, it has grown with me like no other movie over time. I I I get something completely new out of it every single time. Um. I've heard other directors talk about how Kubrick is always one step ahead of them. And these are the greats I'm talking about. And, you know, I, I, I think this is just yet another example that he was, he was ahead of the curve always. Listen, this movie came out when we were 20, Joel, and I had the young boys for years. I think I saw it once knew that there was this famed massive sex orgy scene in it and that's all i really thought about i didn't give this movie that's why i went to the theater yeah but i did not give it any more credit than it than it should have gotten from i should have 
it looked a little bit deeper. I was too young. I was too shallow. And all I thought about was, oh, I can't wait to see people have sex. And so when I went to go see the movie, and of course, it that's a, just a small sliver of the film. And it's this film with so much depth and so much complex complexity and it's all about relationships and being married and the harsh i just i couldn't see any of that for a really long time so it, it right. it's taken me until recently to uh to to really see that um just a couple quick fun facts before we go back to you alec uh alec it was originally supposed to be alec alec baldwin and kim basinger uh was the initial thought for um kubrick he always like kubrick kubrick he wanted uh he did want a real life Hollywood couple to star in the film. So he really did want to deeply explore relationships with two people in an actual relationship. 30 years in the making. I mean, the guy had been thinking about this film for a long, long time. time. Yep. Good Lord. I mean, think about this. You guys came out, came out, came out in 99. The last movie that, that he released came out in 87, 87, 87. And before years. that 1980. So he didn't make too many movies. He nah, did not make nah. a lot. I mean, this is, it, should we compare him to Daniel Day-Lewis? I mean, is he a, in a sense, That's, is he a Daniel Day kind of? Yeah, the less is more, um, but but everything's quality effect. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Alec, bring your first person to the stand here. What, what do we got Well, say? I'm just going to, first of all, you guys are going to enjoy that. One of the, when he was writing the character, he said he wanted a Harrison Ford type, thus the character's last name, Harford. Harrison Ford. Uh, Bill. Harvard. I love that kind of stuff. I love it. So, okay. So here, here's what I'm doing when I'm watching this movie here. Um, first of all, the, I, I, I love, I would say I love three things about this movie. The idea, the notion of it being a waking dream. And we, we don't have an answer to what this movie is. Is it a dream? Is it not? Certainly for the characters, it, everything cinematically tells you this is real. This is just happening to them, except that the day and night that he goes through is very much like what happens to you in a dream. Oh, it was the craziest thing. And I went and there was, I met a guy at a bar and he told me there was a sex party, but there was a secret code. And I went in and everyone was dressed in masks. And then they were all looking at me and they told me to get naked. And then there was a prostitute. She threw herself at me. And this other right. woman, a guy died. And then wait, he died. And then uh, she tried to kiss me too, but then her husband came home. And I mean, Yes, the movie goes slowly, but all the things right. that happen are these bizarre, totally dreamlike things set in almost hyper-reality, except when Tom Cruise is walking against a blue screen or a green screen. The, the What New York looks like is a set, doesn't really look like New York, and there's no answer to it. Is it a dream? Is it not a dream? And just it for just reference, has... Alec, I think you said this before, but just, just to highlight it again, Trum Novelle, which the story is based on, translates to? Dream story. Dream right? story. The dream, dream novel. So, oh, interesting. I love, okay. I, I love that idea. I love playing with just what a movie is. I don't really know what I watch. It doesn't like, ticket, 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 ticket. Oh, now we're in a dream. It doesn't have that answer. It's all, you know, one big, whatever, metaphor, one big story for what's going on in Bill's mind after his wife reveals. That she has, she is a sexual being separate from him. That she is a human being separate from him with her own desires, her own take on life, which sends him spinning into this nightmare dream. I love, secondly, that Jeff, like you said, it's just a movie about marriage. It is just about these two people and their marriage. For all the like, Kubrick does these huge movies about huge things. And it's just this tiny, 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 tiny little movie about marriage and about sex in a marriage, which is why I think when we all saw it 
when we were 20, it was like, all right, I got some things. But as you get older, just who you are and what sex is in marriage is just something you don't see on film very much. And finally, you know why I like this movie? Because I love Tom Cruise in this movie. Oh! Oh! Okay. You've got Jeff's jumblies all warmed up. (laughs) Now I'm feeling something in my jellies. Because Tom Cruise, who as a character, is typically very quick to react, very sure of himself. Even if he gets that sureness kind of knocked down a few pegs, then he comes back. You know you're in control with Tom Cruise. And here's a guy who has a... It just starts with... He's just kind of comfortable in a marriage and then everything just spins out. But like in a dream, he doesn't react violently to a lot of things. They kind of just happen on him and it all doesn't pour out until two hours and, you know, 15 minutes into this movie when she has literally unmasked him and the mask is sitting there on the pillow and he all falls apart. And I think he's fantastic in it. Wow. Okay. First off, Alec. Great yeah. job. Yep. Thank, Thank you for yep. that. Somebody did their homework. We could definitely end the... Yeah, someone definitely... I have literally a book in front of me, and I'm trying to catch up on what we should talk about while we're actually doing this podcast. Let's talk about something, though. Let's get let's get a little bit more shallow here. Let's talk about oh, yeah. her getting high and fucking destroying her husband. Now, all three of us on this call are married, including our our fourth producer here is also married with children. She blew up his world. If any one of our wives did that... In five minutes. If any one of our wives told us a story like that, therapy is immediate, and that changes the course of a marriage in the way that she told the story, right? It's not just... If my wife said to me, I had a dream about having sex with another man and told it to me in, a, in in any kind of empathetic way, she's like, you're not jealous of me. You think everything is fine in this relationship. I, you know, I'm high right now and I'm going to tell you I would have left you for this man. And our daughter. I would have, she would have given up daughter. everything. It, she tells it in the most cunning, oh. hurtful, oh. gut-piercing way you could possibly you, say it. Um and and it also the the other thing I love about it is just shows the fragility of the ego, specifically the male ego, and just just how easy we are to tear down. Right. I think it's shocking to see in that in a movie, but it is such I, I think sort of a relief also to see in a movie. Because of what you're saying, because of how raw it is. Think about Tom Cruise is there at the, at that party with the two young models early on. Yeah. He yeah. also then, uh, you know, is 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 taking care of of uh, this woman who's uh, overdosed. She's naked. The two models. We 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 see that he always has these naked patients, and he he says, "I'm just a doctor." So we know what's going through his head quite often. He is a man. He is being a, a good-looking man with women throwing themselves at him. Literally. Yep. But but men but men are throwing themselves at her as well. Well, the idea that a woman revealing that she fantasizes that that's so explosive to him is kind of why I love what I love the feeling of this movie. It is this massive thing, like Jeff saying, this world altering thing in their relationship. But it is just a tiny little one little sentence, one little thing she said inside their relationship. And the whole movie is about that. Nicole Kidman's character is just like, I've got secrets too in my head. I don't tell you everything. You don't tell me everything here. I'm going to tell you one thing. Yeah. Because you got to get out of your head that it's not just you. It's me too. 
I well, what I what I really love in that conversation is it it completely blows up. It drops an atom bomb on this misnomer that men and women are so different. And yes, we can always point out the differences, but when it comes to impulses, and this movie highlights the sexual impulses, they're not. They're not. It's just that men's impulses are overt and socially it's accepted for us to express that and women. Um, and I don't think this is true so much in our current generation or the incoming generation, but certainly Stanley Kubrick's generation that women kept that all bottled up. Didn't talk about it. Right. It's his first fully formed female character. Really? In his last movie. You will not find Lolita is about as close as it gets to a fully formed, and Lolita's mother, in a movie 40 years earlier, that is remotely close to a fully formed well, female what about, character. What, what, wait, wait, wait. What about all those fleshed out female characters in Full Metal Jacket? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. There, mean, there were no speaking roles. Zero. There was, right. How about the hookers? Okay, the hookers. Okay, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't work. Just, it doesn't work. I was wrong. Um, yeah. I, okay, so here's my next thing to discuss. So if you said this whole movie could be... this, Alec, am I right in saying this? This whole movie could be viewed as a dream. I think there's no easy answer to it. I think it okay. is a... Okay, well, eyes wide shut. When are your eyes wide shut? They are wide open. They're, when you're dreaming. When you're dreaming. Right? They are shut because you're asleep, but they're open in the dream. Okay. So th there isn't an answer to it just like, you know, this... This movie isn't real. No movies are real. That's really, that's Tom Cruise. Right. So there's no answer to real versus dream because it's a movie that's on screen. But definitely there's nothing about this film that I'm ever supposed to say. This is hyper reality. No, no, no. This is, this is way on the other side of the spectrum. And I'm seeing what could be construed as a dreamlike sequence. And with that, here's my question. So then Please. with you even telling me that now I feel a little bit more comfortable about just how sexual every character is in this movie uh the daughter of the costume maker right. with that strange sequence where she's just supposedly having sex with two older asian men right the alan cumming sequence where he is really strangely erotic it is it but again if you say it as a dream if you say it as right then she threw herself at me and she and then and then he wanted to have sex with me and this little girl wanted to have sex with me and it is what it is it's a young girl and then yeah. she whispers something into tom cruise's ear which we never hear what she says right. to him that's right. fascinating like that sequence yeah. is strange yeah. there's a, a great way uh, i can't remember which writer was talking about this that kubrick's movies are about um m machines that are built to work that break down right so the most Literal one is in 2001, you have Hal that is built to be perfect and he breaks down. The entire beginning of Full Metal Jacket is building, is turning humans into machines. And then you see the breakdown of that through war. Sure. Dr. Strangelove is about the machine of the nuclear weapon and the system that's there to support it and how it breaks down. And here you have the machine of the marriage. You have the perfect marriage between the two most perfect human beings on the planet. And then you're saying, Ooh. no, but... The machine is there to to, to break down. I love that from the thesis, start. Alec. That's I good, love that. All right, so let's let's touch on a couple subjects here. Ready? First one, Nicole Kidman. She was, in my opinion, easily the best part of this movie. I thought she was. Let's just get this out of the way. She was probably the most beautiful woman on the planet at that time, and Kubrick makes sure to let us know that from Please. literally the opening shot. It's aggressively, aggressively. Gorgeous. We're implicated. We are implicated from the beginning at treating her like an object. Mm, God, Alec, you're so good at this. The first shot, what is the first shot of the movie? Her, her disrobing. 
the first shot of the movie is her take is is a shot of her from behind and we see her we see her gown fall down in high heels. Yes. Only thing that she's wearing is high heels. So yep. she is purely sexualized Objectified in that sequence. from the first shot of the film. And then but who doesn't really look at her? It's Bill. Because the very first line is she says, how do I look? And he says, you look great. She says, you're not even looking, right? Because You're not even looking. And, and I mean, they've gotten to a, comf- a point in the marriage that you can argue is too comfortable. She's sitting there. She's going to the bathroom. He's he's right there. So they, they've sort of removed sexuality from it. it. It's a wonder of them from going to the bathroom to the babysitter, whatever. And he never really looks at her until they leave. I just love what the movie looks like, too. I love the party. I love the lighting of the party scenes with all those the sconces on the walls or whatever those are. So let's talk it's about the, the let's talk about the other star of the show, which what you're talking about, the star of the movie, which is the Christmas lights. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas lights are the third lead of this movie. I mean, that strange, soft glow of the Christmas lights. I, I feel Christmas like when we hear about why this movie took 400 days, it's to get that perfect. I mean, every room they go to. My goodness. But he also, you know, starting from Barry Lyndon on, I think he really did as much natural lighting as he could. And I think it helps him to shoot the way he wants to shoot with a lot of the tracking shots to not have a lot of gear around. So most of those scenes are lit from the lights that you see. The It's called the practical lights. The, the lights that you see on screen are the lights lighting the characters. Oh, right, right, right. Didn't it? Didn't Barry Lyndon just use candlelight or Barry something Lyndon, like that? Barry Lyndon was like almost all candle and sunlight. Yeah, that's... Uh, here, here's one that you'll like. I'm going to bring it oh, to God. Tom Cruise for you. This is the one thinking. movie that emphasizes how short he is. It does. Most of the women are his size or taller, and they or don't taller. try to hide it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they have a lot of models. That, um, uh, what's her name? Maddie, Ma- uh, the the one who dies for him. Mandy. Mandy. Mandy is like, I mean, at the at the sex party, she she's like a head and shoulders taller than him. Yeah. And the and yeah. the and the and the feather headdress doesn't help much. It does not. All right, Joel, serious question. Do you like, is this one of your, where, where do you rank this in Cruz's performances? Alec really likes him in this. I want to hear your opinion before I get mine. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to go. It's, you know, everything's below Rain Man for me. Um, I, but I'm, I'm. There's nothing better than podcast than thinking. Let's just listen <laughs> to Joel think. We can Let's cut it out. It's very, no, it's very Kubrickian. No, no, this is eye wide shut. This is eye wide shut. It's perfectly appropriate, Joel. You take your time. Where does Joel rank Tom Cruise's portrayal of Bill Harford in the canon of Cruise characters? And how much further can we dive into eyes wide shut? Well, here's the deal. We dove just so damn deep into Eyes Wide and had such an incredible conversation with our guest, Vanessa Shaw, that we've turned this whole extravaganza into a two-parter. So this week, you've got part one of our deep dive and of our interview, and next week, you'll have deep dive part two and the back half of our talk with Vanessa. It took Stanley Kubrick 400 days to film Eyes Wide Shut. It's going to take us at least two episodes to figure it all out. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today, oh, this is exciting. Let's introduce uh, a a wonderful actress. You might know her from shows like Ray Donovan, movies like 310 to Yuma, Hocus Pocus, and of course, Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. Ladies and gentlemen, someone who for the rest of her life has to tell people how to spell her name, it's (laughs) Vanessa Shaw. My first question is, why did your parents put an I in your name? That's just me. (laughs) Uh, My 
my mom loved the name Vanessa, but um, she was like, no, really wanted to just do a twist on it and name me after my uh, grandfather, Vincent. Mm. And so my nickname is Vinny. Ah, because um, she she liked again, this was basically more the Vinny that she liked because of some books she read where the the I think it was the girls was named Lavinia or something. And she thought it was cute. It was named Vinny, like uh, the 70s, like my grandfather's name, Vinny. So yep. they just tried to do it in some name. And my mom liked Vanessa and they just kind of mushed it in there. And yeah. that's why it's the eye. And little did she know it was a lifetime of you just have to be like, no, it's an eye. It's an eye. As, as someone whose name is spelled A-L-E-K. I feel your pain. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Nothing worse than taking a usual name and just putting a little twist on it. Yeah. <laughs> when you go to Starbucks, do you just say, my name is Mary? <laughs> <laughs> well, you just say Alec probably, and they just write whatever they want to write. Whatever so, they want to write. I say That's, Vanessa and, yeah. you know, they do it with an A. That's fine. Who cares? <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Um, I think you know what this podcast is about by its name. We're, we're very excited to hear your stories of sociopolitical economics. Of Tom Cruise. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't even know what that means, Joel. That's how much I don't care about that. But this is how it works. To start us off, what we want from you is to tell us about your life pre-Cruise. Do, do us a favor and just from start to the moment you met Cruise, give us a good... You, you are somebody we want to give a little bit more time to. So we're going to give oh, you boy. 68 seconds. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Jesus. That's a Generous. big step for us. Tell us about your life, where you're from, whatever you want to put in the middle there, right up to that first moment you met Tom Cruise. Well, born and raised in L.A. to an actress mother um, and a psychologist surfer father. Um, very Los Angeles of us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, rode around basically in our car, you know, doing auditions, eating and doing homework in the car type, you know, child actress situation. Um, went to New York for college, um, in, uh, Columbia, uh, university, Heard of it. Barnard, Barnard college at Columbia university. And then didn't like the school, loved New York, transferred to Pitzer college. And that's where I got the job for eyes wide shut. Wait, what is the name of this college? What? Did you say Pixar college? Pitzer. It's one of the Claremont colleges ah. in, um, Los Angeles here. It's kind of like. They call it the Ivy League of the West. Who um, calls it? Who that? says that? The people that go there? I've never heard of this school. They do, of course. You know, that's, that's yeah. Um, anyway, so I was doing. Nobody has ever said any institution Jeff's attended was the Ivy League of anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> SUNY Purchase, home of the college where the guy that played Blade went. You know, that's that's what my <laughs> that's my college. Wait, so you got this role while you were in college? Yes. Ooh, do tell. Um, I was I was doing my finals, um, had stayed up all night doing them, and had auditioned, I think, a month before my finals. Um, didn't hear anything about the, the job, um, you know, as Domino and Eyes Wide Shut, um, and just thought nothing happened. Wait, I'm sorry. Um, can you just go back to what the audition was? Yeah, yeah. yes, and yes. Yes. Did you know yes, what you yes. were getting when you got this we're audition? We're here for the detail. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. I actually um, got the audition. I think it was on uh, a breakdown, honestly, for the, you know, you guys are actors. So, you know, um, it was in a breakdown and they were looking for this role. And my manager had seen it and just was like, 
is this for real? A Stanley Kubrick movie in the breakdown? Um, so anyway, uh, I got the audition um, and I, I drove from school, um, which was an hour away to this audition um, with Denise Chamian, who oh, gosh. Was, yes. was the casting director. And she, um, she said, here, here are the sides. I have no idea what it's about or anything. <laughs> Awesome. Kubrick won't tell me. So you didn't even get to look at the sides before you got to the audition. I'm pretty itself. sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I didn't even get to look at the sides. Um, that sounds right. Just, just. I mean, I remember. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was all, always a secretive director, but but just just the the you know the level of secrecy around that movie until it came and out. And these are still the days, Vanessa, where either a, a, a courier had to bring you your sides or you had to actually go to the studio and get them. Am I right? That's right. Well, not back that far. Jesus. No, it's true. You didn't get emails. This is 99. The internet's only a few years old at this point, or maybe even earlier. There was fax machines. Oh, right. I forgot about fax machines. I forgot about the fax. And it was all crinkly and smelled really funny. A raven brought me my sides. <laughs> <laughs> all rolled up. Right, right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so she said, here are the sides, this is it, go for it. And then she watched me do a scene that was actually kind of a made-up scene between a character named Bill, who was a Japanese man at the time, and my character. It was just one scene, and she, she looked at me and said, okay, I have no idea if that's what he's looking for or not, you know, but nice job. And then... <laughs> Unbelievable. Then I go back, actually, for a callback. Okay. Who was at the callback? Yeah. Was anyone there? No, just Denise again. She basically had a new version of the same type of sides, but now Bill was not a Japanese man. It was him. And they did they did inform me that that character is now Tom Cruise. So I made it past like the first <laughs> stage and now into where I could have just a little bit of information. But then Denise dryly said again, I still have no idea if this is what he wants. <laughs> is she is she putting you on camera at this point? Yes, putting okay. me on tape, okay. yeah. So to to show to Stanley in England, you know, because he wasn't he was afraid of flying. So he never flew anywhere. And so it was all on tape, you know, cut to a month later, you know, me finishing my final falling asleep. It's now 10 a.m. I turned in my final um, falling asleep because I was up all night. And my mom calls me on my dorm room phone and she's like, Vanessa, wake up, wake up. You know, the message is going off. And yeah, yeah. I answered the phone like, uh, you know, half asleep. And she said, you got the Kubrick movie. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask why they called your mom? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Chuck. Thank you. Because because I think everyone had tried to call me and I was asleep. Uh, Honestly, I think they were like, you call her, you try. We want you to play a prostitute, but we still have to call your mommy to to play this role. Oh well, I'm in college, like, you know, finally, maybe I'll answer my mom's call, you know, who knows? Right. And then I just passed out and went back to sleep and then woke up. You could sleep after that news? <laughs> I know. And I woke up and I literally panicked and I went, was that real? Oh, my God. <laughs> was that a dream? Was it a dream? And then I immediately called my mom. Did you really call me? I'm so out of it. Did you say that I got the part and I was wide shut? Oh and she God. just was like, yeah. And we were jump- jumping down, on, you know. Jumping up and down over the phone, I could hear her screaming, and I was screaming. Uh, okay, so now, yeah, so now you're here. You are a girl in college. You booked this role. There's a lot that's happening between this point and getting to England to shoot this movie that was supposed to have been shot famously for years. 
give us this this new i mean did you have to leave college did you what happened here you weren't there for a week (laughs) (laughs) that we know yeah we we heard stanley kubrick did not film quickly no he did not film quickly (laughs) so i i actually uh did actually it was the end of the school year so his final so um i was able to finish and go off and shoot the movie all right that's good um it was a two separate I don't know if you want to know all this. Yeah, Vanessa, yes, we do. Okay, yes, hold on. Yes, Let's take a yes. quick pause here because this is twice now Vanessa. from you. We need you to understand something. We created an entire podcast over our obsession with Tom Cruise. Do you see the shirt but, but, Jeff is wearing? That's do, a Tom Cruise character name from The Color of Money. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. Let, but I need to be even more clear. Go on out. If there's yep. one podcast that I would create in the universe, I guess I created this one. If there's a second one. <laughs> It would be about Stanley Kubrick. Right, yep. right, yep. right. Notice and that so, we asked you for 68 seconds of your life. That's how little we care about you. <laughs> but now it's time for, for the details. <laughs> Dive in. You get it. You Tell get us. it. Yes. Okay. Well, then I'll have full reign to do whatever yeah. I want. Yes. So I ended up shooting that part of the movie, um, going to England, staying at the Athenaeum Hotel in fancy London, Ooh. shooting, like basically started my summer you know, shooting this movie. And, um, so it was shot two different times. That was the, the summertime. And then once I finished that big chunk, um, which was basically two scenes, as you know, I came back in Christmas time to shoot the exterior of mm. Domino coming up to his apartment. I was just on cloud nine being in London as well as, you know, being in the Kubrick movie. And as you, you all may know, Kubrick is notorious for, you know, taking his time and really, you know, enjoying the process of filmmaking. And I didn't care because I was in London and I didn't care how long it would take. The movie did take somewhere around two years start to finish, correct? That's right. Yeah. So I basically waited for a few weeks in this hotel in, in London and just had the best time. And you hadn't met anyone yet? Had you was there had meeting occurred yet? Uh, no, there was a couple weeks of no meeting. And then there was a meeting with Stanley that happened a week, few weeks later. Go slow. Okay, let's 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 do that. Let's do that. We need the details at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will. I will. I will. Okay. I'll take my time. Basically, so there, two weeks had passed. And then I go to Pinewood Studios to meet Stanley. And they say, you know, please don't worry. It'll just be a conversation. And I go in and I'm in his office at Pinewood Studios. We have an office adjacent to the actual studio. And I'm sitting there talking to him for about two hours. It just passes uh. so quickly. He asks me about my life, where I grew up. Oh, you're in school. What are you studying? I'm studying sociology. Okay. And you knew about this you know, a social theorist called Karen Horney. We talked about her and he just wanted to get to know me. So basically he sat with me so that he could really connect with me before ever starting shooting, which I came there super nervous thinking I needed to be prepared and ready. But I actually really didn't have anything to prepare because they hadn't even given me the script yet. <laughs> oh my God. So, Did you know what your character was going to be? I knew my character, what my character was going to be. I knew I was a a prostitute. So then after meeting with Stanley, who just was so lovely and so warm, they gave me a script to read. And I had to read it at the studio. I could not leave. I had to finish it and give it back. And I really take my time reading because I want to digest it. And I'm like, if I have to give this back, I need to like write notes or do something. 
I can't just give it back. I don't know what to do with my character yet. Um, the first AD kept knocking on my door. Are you done yet? <laughs> it's Tuesday. Are you uh, done yet? Such a first, such a first AD thing to do. No, <laughs> I know. And then Jan Harlan, his, you know, his longtime co-producer, um, you know, confidant, uh, knocked on my door. Are you done yet? And I was like, what are they thinking I'm doing in here? Like photocopying <laughs> things? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I said, I'm so sorry. Okay, finally, I'm done. Gave it back. And basically the script was a skeleton, just a skeleton mm. of what Kubrick's mind could manifest. It was very, it moved quickly. It was pretty short in my recollection. Oh, that was my next question. And that's what most people say about Eyes Wide Shut. Pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Very short. Flies by. <laughs> just rat-a-tat, rat-a-tat dialogue. Yeah, like, like run, exactly. Lola, run. It just, next thing you know, it's just nonstop action. <laughs> and now, commercials. Anyway, I, I just loved my character and I loved how kind of funny she was um, and, you know, cocky in a way. You know, he basically... I realized later on was asking me about all my schooling because he wanted to add more of my own flavor to it. Mm. So at one point, um, I'm skipping around. Vanessa, stop we're, it. You just we're on the edge of our seats. We will ask the questions you t- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just too excited. There's a few holy You're grails fine. as an actor. Obviously, yeah. Tom Cruise, we're, that's yeah. up there because we're doing this. Number two. You worked yeah. with Stanley Kubrick, so I know, so I know. very very few got to work with the late great yeah. Stanley. I know it just blew my mind, and still blows my mind. And here on this podcast, I'm sure it's blowing your mind. Yes, um, <laughs> Vanessa, I'm so sorry. Um, we're, we're, we're listen. I understand Stanley is an interesting man. Um, oh, Jeff's going to derail from Stanley. I'm sorry. God, you know, I know Alec so is all oh, Kubrick. Here. I don't care no, about I am directors. Too, I am too, Jeff. I mean, this is, this is, this is. I don't I am, care. I She's yeah, giving us. Come on, Vanessa. This is the beauty of this podcast. Yeah. You know? What? Yeah. Cinephiles and then there are Cruzophiles. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Vanessa, there's okay. only one kind of files here and it's Cruzophiles. Okay. <laughs> what was it like? When did you first meet him? I, I mean, was it just on set? Did you guys get to she knows what the question means. When did you meet Tom Cruise? Just say, it. Just say the when question. did you meet Tom Cruise? She went to an Ivy League school. You did not. She understands. She got it. Uh, she went to a West Coast Ivy League school. I mean, <laughs> she went to Columbia. And, and anyway, continue, Later. Vanessa, please. <laughs> OK, you ready for this? Yes, yes. Yes. All right. There was another time. So Stanley, before actually getting on set ever, wanted to really talk over things. He wanted to make sure that. He had a good sense of us as actors, get a good sense of like the story and where he wanted to go. I'm sure he's mulling over a jillion things. There was one time when I was having a meeting with Stanley and he said, oh, Tom is going to come in soon. So I just wanted to let you know that. Here we go. (laughs) And I said, "Okay," And just this feeling of like the door is behind me. I do not like this. <laughs> I do not like that Tom Cruise is going to come in the door behind me. Yeah. And I'm just not going to be prepared. Yeah. I have watched all of his movies as a kid. And I just can't imagine what this moment is going to be like. And I hear the door open at some point And I turn around and I basically see 
a better looking version of Tom Cruise. Like it's pretty impossible, <laughs> but like, I'm like, wow, that's ri- wow. <laughs> Amazing. You're an, you're an attractive man. He's even better in real life. That's what I'm saying. How is it possible that someone can be better in real life? Jeez. Only Tom Cruise can do that. Oh, uh, Tommy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I turn around and of course he's rushing right for me with his hand out immediately clasps my hand and goes, hi, nice to meet you, Tom Cruise. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if I actually said this out loud. I could have, because I was very, you know, cocky myself back then. (laughs) I went in my mind, no kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that. I love that. You're still not even 100% sure what you said in this moment, because it was such a dream. I love it. It was such yeah. a dream. Not unlike dream the film country. itself. What is real? What is oh, dream? Oh, Jesus. This is life. No, okay, life. not anymore. Not anymore. We'll get what? back to Eyes what? Wide Shut. So he comes okay, in sorry. and you do what together? You rehearse? I actually feel like he didn't like that the door was behind me either because he couldn't make an entrance too either, you know? So so he started it over. He, He's like, let's turn this whole thing around. <laughs> Vanessa, go, go, go in that room over there. I'm going to come in. Back to one. You know, from the front. <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, so he sat down next to me, and um, actually, uh, Stanley left the room for a moment, and I said, oh my God, I'm so nervous. You know, I finally read the script. When are we starting shooting on this? I just, I feel like I started like just running at the mouth, and I think it's just because like there's Tom Cruise, and Stanley Cooper was just in here, and trying to like get my bearings, and, and he just flashes that toothy grin, he's like, don't worry, Vanessa. It's going to be fine. It will. We actually haven't really started shooting yet. So. <laughs> I've been here nine months. We haven't shot a frame. <laughs> exactly. He's like, I think you just got to relax. Don't worry. And, and amazingly, I totally relax. You know how mm. people can say that, you know, oh, just relax. It's fine. But I just knew, you know, obviously, uh, Tom Cruise's reputation precedes him and he's a hard worker and wants to do everything hundred percent. So if he tells me to relax and nothing's happening, then I'm like, okay, he's, he's actually being honest and it's truthful. And I just need to relax Amazing. because Amazing. You know, he's working harder than I ever will. So do you, do you think you were part of the earlier shots in the movie? I was, I was closer Closer to the beginning. Wow. Yeah. What, what is the number? So how long were you there for and how long were you shooting for? Because you, you, you are on screen. I, I look, I watched again last night. You're on, you're, your scene runs about eight minutes, nine minutes, those two scenes put together. That's a lot of time. And, and I counted, it's also nine shots. I love that he counted this. I did. Yeah. Now it's nine shots. There's a lot of pretty long shots out there on the street and then going in, in the apartment is a, Especially afterwards, when he's realizing he has to leave, that's a long shot. Just the two of you, you're just doing a play together. And I'm just thinking, like, if Stanley's watching every single detail, how many times is he shooting a two minute scene where he does he wants he wants all 120 seconds to be just so perfect? How many times? How many shots? How long were you shooting for? Go. Um, I think the 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 shot where I come in, walk into my apartment, and basically start having. A, a chat with with Tom um, Bill that was done sixty nine <gasps> times. <gasps> <laughs> That's insane. I love it. I love it. So 
That's a massive was, number. I had a big number in my head and that still exceeded it. Yeah. I was informed of this <laughs> at midnight on the 69th time by Jan Harlan, who said, you just beat out Full Metal Jacket for the most amount of takes in one shot. And I was like, oh, my God. Whoa. Again, I've read everything there is to read about Stanley Kubrick. We hear about all this. Just from a director's point of view, what's what are the notes? Are there well, the notes? Qu- are they all for the actors? Yeah, the question is why. Can, my, my question is why. Why Why so many I, mean, I, I know in theory, I've heard theories about why he does this, but I'd love to hear just a little bit in the moment. What's he tell you on take 27 that gets you to take 28? <laughs> well, I realized he wasn't even really looking at me until take 28. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he first looks at the lighting, the camera, and then the actors are last because mm. finally on the 28th take or something, he says to me, did you do that before? And I was like, Stanley, that I've done this every single freaking time. You didn't notice. <laughs> and then I paid attention to every setup he would do. And I noticed he was looking at the lighting, the camera, the lighting, and then the actors. Mm. It was, you know, he's just a, was the, you know, consummate perfectionist and i felt so relieved to have a perfectionist you know in stanley kubrick and tom cruise that i felt like i could relax more but and make jokes like that um and felt like i could just move into i guess really like being in the zone kind of like you know what athletes get was the first time i ever got that and you know everything kind of fell away and i was able to really just not even think about the blocking, not even think about where I was headed in the scene and just be in the moment. And so for me, I don't know if that was Kubrick's intention, but for me as an actor, it was just magic for me. Hmm. Um, it was the first time I ever experienced as an actor what it was really like not to, to, what it was really like to just let go. And, you know, I'd been a child actor before where everybody was nervous about you performing correctly. And just looking good. Okay, phew, they said the line right. Okay, moving on kind of thing. (laughs) But to have that time was like, it was just precious. And it taught me a lot. And I realized what I need, the kind of work I needed to do to prepare for any other role ever again. And do that for myself. Mm, Fascinating. Fascinating. So fascinating. Can we get back to Tom Cruise? (laughs) (laughs) God, Jeff, this is the holy grail. Jeff, that was was one of the most informative, interesting... Uh things anyone Jeez. has ever said in this podcast and and his mind his his mind Fuck all they can hear is i went to the di-. that's all he's thinking about yes exactly <laughs> i mean i, I just want to bring it back to this simple thing you, oh, i don't know if we're ever going to have an actor on this show like you vanessa that met and worked with tom cruise at what i think is truly deemed the height of his fame so here here we are talking about someone who we both believe Joel and I believe is the greatest movie star of all time. And you worked with him at the top at the pinnacle. Like this was, this is coming off of 18 years of just stardom and for that whole nineties run he did to get to we saying that he, We've said on previous podcasts that in the, that nineties run leading all the way up to Jerry Maguire and his Oscar nomination. And then mm-hmm. Magnolia, which somewhere slipped in. No, no Magnolia to, came uh, right uh, after this. It's later. later yeah. But he filmed it. I'm just going to say also, Vanessa, I I appreciate that you've just opened up to us about a transformative Jesus. moment yes. in okay. your career and your life. And thank you, Alex. I, I do too. I do too. And I, thank you for sharing something that's really uh, uh, personal. Yep. Yep. And all right, Jeff, go on. Go on. With hey, your- Vanessa, you want to see my cat? <laughs> 
This is how much I care. Yeah. Yeah. No, I stand with Alec. I'm on team Alec here. I'm on team Alec, which I'm almost never on. But, but, but if you want to digress into non Tom Cruise territory, I am fine with We're it. We're here for Great. you. But go ahead. Tom Cruise. What did he, what did he do? Does he really have nice teeth? What other questions do you have? I don't have a question. I just want to talk about Tom Cruise and what it was like to work with him <laughs> and what he was like, not the old okay. man. Okay. <laughs> the old man. <laughs> Remember to join us next week for more with Vanessa Shaw when we'll get to hear about, for example, this. You know, there's that that kissing scene I had to do. Go on. Go go. on. It's go time. No one talk. And that, of course, in classic Kubrick fashion, was done 45 times. What? And that brings us to the end of this very special episode of meeting Tom Cruise. And I've got just one question left for the two of you. This is uh, specifically tailored, I think, for the both of you. Okay. If you had a sex castle, what would be the password? Bananagram. Clam chowder. Snap pea soup. And with that, Meeting Tom Cruise is hosted by Jeff Meacham, Joel Johnstone, and me, Alec Lev. It's also produced by the same Alec Lev. Tartar sauce. Tortoise shell. Tortoise sauce. Our executive producers are Doug Matica and Dan Patrick. Our engineer and mixer is Alex Reeves for Point of Blue Studios. Size 12 shoes. Editing by Alec Lev, with additional editing by Alex Reeves. Gilligan's Island. Alex P. Keaton. Our music is by H. Scott Salinas and Matthew Atticus Berger. Artwork by Rebecca Montoya. Bing bong. Chandler Bing. Schindler's List. What? Executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Pinella for Workhouse Media. We are a production of Meeting So-and-So in association with Workhouse Media. Children's Museum. (laughs) That's what we went with this week, Frank. We went with Children's Museum. You couldn't have thought of anything else for a sex party, but you went with Children's Museum. Find us online at Meeting Cruise on Instagram and Twitter. Check out our website and show notes at meetingtomcruise.com. And you can email us at contact at meetingtomcruise.com. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. Five stars are much appreciated. And write a review. It really helps people to find the show, and we just might read it on the air. Meeting Tom Cruise was created by Jeff Meacham and Alec Lev. Meeting Tom Cruise is a production of the Dan Patrick Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds.